sheep would sense that there was danger. Yeah. They probably could smell the blood or whatever. Yeah. The abattoir had a, a goat, a Judas goat. <laughs> Judas goat? Yes. <laughs> and the goat would come down, and the man would bring the goat down. He was the Pied Piper. He was the Pied and once he would mingle with the sheep and then he'd walk back up the track oh, no. and, and the sheep would follow him. Yeah. And that's why he was called the Judas Goat. I'm Carl Summers. And I'm Georgia Glenn. Your Chagas Sustainability Advisors. Welcome back to another great podcast number 73, part two of farming in Dublin in the 1950s. This time we hear all about the pirates of Mud Island from cabbages to grapes being grown in the city. We hear about cattle drives from the North Circular Road to North Wall with the odd one going missing along the way. With mental health so high on everybody's agenda, the Larkin Centre project for men's mental health and the black dog is mentioned as part of the podcast. And if you've ever heard of what's called a Judas goat, I certainly didn't up until now. He sounds like a right bio, but he's he's also part of the podcast. We are back for part two of our chat with Mary Kennedy and Mick Denver, two Dublin city locals. But that's life when you're surrounded by water. I mean, we have the sea down there mm. behind us here, the early sea. We have the canal. The Tolkien that flooded yeah, this right side, side here, we have yeah. the canal up there. Yeah. And then past the canal, you come onto the Liffey. So you're surrounded we're surrounded by water. By water. Ideal. And yeah. that's why, uh, <laughs> you know, Bollybock was called Mud Island way back in the day because it was the sea. Yes. You know, the sea yeah. would wash up there and and this is a strand road. We're mm. built on sand. Yes. You know, we're built yes. on the beach. So you're, this land all around here was reclaimed? Yes, reclaimed land. From a fair, the yeah. A Fairview Park was in, when I was a kid, it was a, a dump for dumping a refuse. And, oh, right, OK. And the council would throw stuff in there. Mm. And that was filled up, and then it was uh, turned into a park. Mm. Of course, the rail line goes through that. Always went well in our time. The rail line always went when, through. When that. did the dump get closed? Wow, God, <clears throat> oh, that would be what sixty years ago. Six years, yeah. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, uh, I remember it in the fifties, early sixties, yeah. out at uh, past Fairview Park when they reclaimed that extra mm. bit. Yeah. But I think after that, it closed maybe early 60s, would it? Yeah. It's hard, hard to believe that when you're yeah. paying your million euro for a house around here, you're sitting on a dump. You're sitting on all the city. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sitting on sand yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and dumped refuse. Yeah. But, but the uh, refuse was different back then, Carl. Different types. Yeah, because yeah. you were telling us about yeah, the gases I, and stuff. They were doing a, a bit of walk in, in the park area at one stage. They were excavating for something or other. I think it was to do with the rail line. And I knew a fella walked on it, and uh, as they were digging it up, he was picking up the old pieces of refuse that didn't perish, of course, like glass bottles and jars and all that ancient stuff. And he was collecting all them. But no plastic. No plastic. No yeah, plastic. That's the difference. It, it was perfect, actually, you know, yeah. for, uh, for a perfect, the organic waste. Organic waste, yes. exactly what it was. It, yeah. it was different because uh, I, I was doing a bit of a garden at home about five years ago, yeah. and like we didn't have you didn't have lorries to bring out the waste that time so there was you had to go somewhere so oh yes you have to uh, make yeah, a bit of a pit yeah, like you yeah. know what would they call it in the archaeology uh, sorry, a midden oh yes a midden that's yes. what they would use to dump and there was lots of finds in middens 
Right. Yeah, right. you get lots of stuff down at the bottom there where they were dumping. Sometimes I think they found the odd dead body. But anyway, that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's another <laughs> day's walk. We're, we're but, going back to the, to the dump and we went back to Mud Island. But yes, you, we, we were talking earlier on it and there was a mention of pirates. Can someone tell me about the pirates? Larry was talking about, about the pirates, the pirate, yeah. yeah. So the area between um, the Talca and uh, the canal was a, a very, in the 1700s, it was renowned as a, a really bad place. Like James Joyce mentioned, do not venture over Newcomen Bridge to Mud Island. It's so dangerous. So the area was um, a refuge for... I think it was country people that came up, was it O'Donnell's, um, a clan, oh, uh, a family, and they lived on the Talca River, the uh, Ballybock End, which is now around the Luke Kelly Bridge. I That's think. right, yes. And yeah, they lived yeah. kind of, a, and they used to just uh, attack boats that came up. The river. Us cultures came up the yeah. <laughs> The law couldn't <laughs> go near <laughs> them. They ruled and he the guy was called um I think it was O'Donnell, the the head of the clan was called um the King of Mud Island. So um they ruled that area. Very notorious area, very similar to the Monto, mm -hmm. which is another area not too far away either. Uh, so uh, it was a refuge for everybody who didn't fit in anywhere else, you know. So when we started our community garden in the area, a bit of research brought up the name Mud Island. I myself live on a street called Clinch's Court mm -hmm. and Clinch is one of the pirates as well, which um, I was delighted with because we all presumed the streets were named after English lords, lords and, and earls yeah. and everything, you know. Mick said there's a few pirates still down there, I think. There's a lot <laughs> it's still a notorious area. No, it's a nice area. It's, yeah. nice, it's, but, nice. uh, it's, it's interesting when you research a bit of the history of yeah. and, and so like that was the sea came into there as well so it was yeah. easy to for the ship boats mm. that came up so um, but, our yeah. community garden now has changed yeah. the notorious name of Mud Island <laughs> into something really good right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wait, I suppose when we're from the country and we see people who live in the city all their lives we assume that you know nothing about agriculture that you wouldn't know where milk comes from but Mick, you were telling us that like you're you're kind of a countryman at heart, but you've lived in the city all your life. Yes, um, yes. I suppose would you have seen like cattle in markets around here, or maybe slaughterhouses, or what way did well, it work from here? Slaughter. You see, I had the advantage. Although my grandparents were from Bollybuck, uh, Kings Avenue, Bollybuck, and they had backed into uh, Bollybuck Lane. Right, they, all the cattle and all this stuff, but they eventually moved out and they went up to Artain and they had some land up there and my grandfather grew all these things. So I would, I would always be up there and I would dig the garden, everything was dug by hand and we'd plant uh, cabbages and different things, dropping cabbages as they say. And then sometimes uh, my grandfather would go across to other fields where other men owned O'Connors and that and uh, in cabbage time, he would drop cabbages from Mr. O'Connor, the fella come behind you and stick them into the into the, the ground and oh, you might get two shillings for that, walking all day. But anyway, it was good. And that's how I was very familiar with uh, 
you know, fresh produce. Yeah. We had all that. And at one time, which was most unusual at the time, my grandfather grew grapes in one of his glass grapes. houses. Yeah. Because... The home used to grow them as well. Yeah, yeah it's amazing, isn't yeah. it? You wouldn't think... But my uncle was in the uh, wholesale confectionery business and he used to frequent uh, a lot of the shops. And, of course, he got to know a lot of Italians. Mm. And there was Italians in East Wall, and they are called Andrucettis. And the grandfather of the Andrucettis, he couldn't speak English, but, uh, of course, my uncle knew them very well, and he brought them out to my grandfather's. And Mr. Andrucetti was very interested in growing grapes and convinced my grandfather that he could grow grapes like he did in Italy, in the glasshouse. And they did. Brilliant. And uh, they used to hang down. When we were kids, we used to be trying to jump up to pull them down. But it was an interest for Mr. Andrucetti because he would come back then and he would do all the pruning and prepare for the next, you know, all this sort of thing. Well, so he was delighted with that because he was away from home. And uh, Were the grapes nice? Beautiful. Yeah. Did you make them? Did you just eat them or make wine? Oh, we just eat. We didn't never yeah. make wine. No, no. We're still no. growing grapes. Well, in the our grapes. Sand. Yeah, the, the grapes now. You're growing grapes now, are you? I actually have a yeah, grape I vine in my garden. <laughs> and that's the vine that was in the garden, yeah. and I took a slip off it, yeah. and you got them. And I, yeah, grapes do grow here, but not. You couldn't eat the ones that I have in my yard now. No way. You, you can eat the ones I have. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The small black. Grapes, yeah. Yeah. South yeah. facing the wall or something, getting plenty of sun. Yeah, yeah they would grow now, but at that, that time it was unusual. And like I say, we had plenty of produce mm. up there. It was more or less the country. Yes. And there was cattle up there. You would see cattle and you would also see, when I'd be up with my grandfather's as a kid on my holidays, only down the road. But anyway, you'd see the men coming from uh, Malahide and all the farms around there. And they had these uh, carts, and they were always an orangey colour, with high sides on them, and a horse, of course, dragging them along. And they'd be stacked up, like in a pyramid shape, with cabbage. Well, Yes, and they'd be going heading for the market in Dublin City. And you'd see them going down there. And uh, I suppose they, I don't know, maybe they picked up stuff for themselves on the way back. But uh, that's where it would come out. I watched them all going down. But the carts were orange for some particular reason. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. And yeah. fine carts they were too. Brilliant. Do you remember the cattle being driven down to the boats? Yes. They used to, uh, Just down the road. The, the cattle from the North Wall. Yeah. Well, some cattle would be driven to North Wall straight onto the boats. But they also went up the North Circular Road. And there'd be fellas with sticks beating them up there. And loads of cattle. Up the, up the main streets. Up oh. the main streets. There's some hardship. Yeah. And up North Sector Road, which is a big Smithfield. Yeah. And they'd go on up into uh, the cattle market. Right, okay. And then they, they would also uh, send them to England. And they'd yeah, be all the down the North Wall there yeah. behind us. And they'd see them going onto the ships there. But I have heard stories back in the day that sometimes the fellas that'd be, what would you call them, a herder like, you know, uh, they'd have a bit of a deal going and say, well, we'll get one of these on the side. <laughs> and, and cattle, an odd cow would be whipped into a yard on the side. Disappear. Disappear. And the gate closed behind. 
And what they done with her after that, who they sold her, I've no idea. But I did hear stories like that. Because that'd be nothing new down there. No. <laughs> down to the butchers, I suppose. Maybe, Maybe a slaughterhouse so, yeah. slaughter or something. Yeah. But there was a little slaughterhouse on, uh, just down on Bodybog, just over the, the River Tolka. There was a slaughterhouse there near Mars Pub. And uh, the, the, the carts had pulled up outside and the sheep... Generally sheep, because I went to school down there and we would pass it regularly. Mm. But the sheep would sense that there was danger. Yeah. They probably could smell the blood or whatever. Yeah. But the, the, the abattoir had a, a goat, a Judas goat. Judas goat. <laughs> yes. And the goat would come down. The man would bring the goat down. He was the Pied Piper. He was the Pied and. Once he would mingle with the sheep and then he'd walk back up the track. Oh, no. And, and the sheep would follow him. Yeah. And that's why he was called the Judas Goat. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, you were also involved with a community project. You're both very, very community spirited and spirit minded. Um, was the inner city unemployed? Can you tell us just a little bit about the project? Was oh, it 2011? Yeah. You yeah. Well, we, it was 2011 and... The Larkin Centre, it's called the Larkin Unemployed Centre. And it's across uh, the road of North Strand. And they, I think they were established to help people with paperwork and claims, like if you were claiming for uh, allowance for something or other, yes, children's yeah. allowance. And they would fill out forms and they were very good. Yes. And they would also post them for you and stick the stamps on and... Mm-hmm. Any queries that you had, mm-hmm. they would look after you. And how did you, they get involved in the community garden? Well, they, I'll tell you now. They were always looking. People would come in there on a regular basis. And at, at the start, they used to give tea and all to that. You know, mm. uh, the fellas time couldn't get a job and that sort of sure. thing. And some people, for different reasons, just cannot take to going to work. You know, mental yeah. problems and such and... You get to a stage in your life where you give up. But uh, the Larkin Centre would look after them and they'd come in and there was, there was a legal place there too. If you had any trouble legally, they would advise you. But uh, they also done computer classes and such like. But I, I went over, I knew them, and I went over. I had, not, I had retired. There were plenty to do, but I said, I'll do something with computers and just get an idea of what's going on in the world, you know. And uh, they had computer classes. And Bridget was running the computer classes. And Miss Flandry and uh, Mrs. Tyrrell. So I, I signed up for the classes and it was interesting. You get to know all the, the heads and you know, meeting people, having a laugh. But uh, Miss Flandry said to me one day, she said, Mick, we're thinking of starting up something for uh, the men, you know. That's our sort of, you know, a loose end. Mm. So, uh, like a garden or something. So she said, that'd be great, fantastic. And uh, she said, well, well, I said, I don't know where we're going to get a piece of land around here. You know, because there's no land around this area. She said, we have an idea. And uh, so we, we used to speak about it and there was other people involved. I wasn't the only one now. There was other lads there. Uh, so anyway, she said, now we have a place. And that was down beside Mary in Clinch's Court. 
there was a, a waste area at the back of Mary's house where there used to be old folks' uh, flats and they were all knocked down and the place was left idle. And what he didn't, I think it's difficult to get into, Mary, isn't it? With fire brigades and such. The recession as well, they ran out of money to build. Oh, right. yeah. Social oh, housing, right. so it was just yeah. left. So anyway, myself and Miss Flannery and the people from the Lankin Centre went down, we had a look at it, and she said, do you think you could do anything with it? We said, yeah, sure. Clean it all out first. And uh, so we got a JCB, cleaned it all out, and then we started to build we didn't know what we were doing. We just started off. We said, look, let's put a place down here. And we built a, a, a big room, which would do for a, a meeting room or a classroom or whatever. And uh, 16 by 16. We built that between us. Because I was a carpenter, you see. So other fellas were at the building too. So we were handy. Brilliant. And then we built a glass house. Uh, uh, a greenhouse, if you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And a couple of toilets. And we had to try and get there and find where the sewage was and all this sort of thing. So it was good, uh, you know, exploring around. But we got all that done and then we had to make, there was no clay, of course, it was concrete. Right, okay. So we had to make boxes for planting, planter boxes. So we got um, six by three timbers, treated timbers, and we made uh, boxes approximately eight foot by four foot. Okay. And I think, I don't know many of them we had, maybe I can't remember. That's a lot. You came in handy with all of that. Oh, we had, and we had, yeah. we, we made them and we bolted all the timbers together and uh, set up uh, and lined them up. And it was a lovely, lovely place. Mm. And uh, then they they bought uh, clay that was, you know, good uh, soil. And they, I don't know where they bought it from, but it was treated soil and all that sort yeah, of business. Yeah. Big trucks come in and we walked away loading all that up. And then everybody put their hand in and it turned out lovely. So that was 2011. And it was opened up officially, the Lord Mayor and all this and the wow. local doctor and this sort of thing. Yeah, it was lovely. Mm. And one of the tanks at the Larkin Centre, now they, had, they wanted to look after the men who, yes. you know, so I spent a bit of time over there myself. Every day we'd be in and out. We all such fellas that would go on the drink mm-hmm. and, you know, we'd bring them in and they'd be, they could meet other guys and share with them. But um, then the Lankin Centre would send people down to give talks yeah. about different things, you know, and yes. try and get them interested. And uh, also we had psychologists come down and they would discuss things. I remember one time uh, Miss Flannery said to me, she said, Mick, I'm thinking of sending this lady down, she's a psychologist, and she'd like to speak to some of the men about uh, suicide, you know. And I said, oh, my God, you know, that's a bit grim, you know. Mm -hmm. And I said, I don't know, uh, Miss Flannery, if they... She said, well, I think it might help. And I said, "Okay." Now, I didn't agree with it myself at the time. I thought it was a bit much... Mm-hmm. Bringing out this gruesome because some of them were in the balance, you know that way. Yeah. But anyway, we all were all in this in the room, and of course I'm keeping charge. Sit down, good to be <laughs> having a bit of a laugh, especially when there'd be a woman around. <laughs> but this girl came in anyway, and she sat down. I sat beside her, and uh, she started off and about uh, suicide and this, that, the other. And I said to myself, "No one's going to say anything here," but I was wrong. The hands went up, and I'm not joking you, what a session. You wouldn't believe it. 
these guys could talk yeah. and explain about different aspects of their lives where things were really bad and they were going to commit suicide and their brothers committed suicide and some of them jumped over balconies in, in a, you know, flats. Yeah. And yeah. It was unreal. Mm. It was the best thing ever happened that they could express all this. So it was a safe space. It was great. They yeah. loved it. And they all, all that, there was 20 or 30 men by times, Mary, wasn't there? Yeah. And it was a fantastic thing. Thanks to the Larkin Centre again. And that sort of thing went on. I remember they had, um, I thought it was brilliant because I used to, it's at the back of my house and I used to hear, I knew them all yeah, very well <laughs> and I could hear them a lot of the time, but they grew the most beautiful vegetables. Yeah. Yes, fantastic yeah. vegetables and yeah. fruit but I could hear the guys in there I wouldn't eat that I wouldn't eat that effing thing I wouldn't eat that effing thing you know, all hard shows, say, yeah. try it no I wouldn't eat that I wouldn't try it no but they ran a cookery they had a men's wellness yeah. men's health yes as well and yeah. there was a cookery course attached in a different place the men went once a week. Yeah, we went to the kitchens in the in community centre. Picked the stuff from the garden and That's they right. were shown how, how to, to use it. Yes, we had a chef. I went down one time. It was all I remember. I went down to see yeah. it and I couldn't believe it. You know, a, a really yeah. good chef kitchen mm. showed them how to use the vegetables that they brought down and yeah. got them eating and properly cooking. and bringing it back to their family. So yeah. it was like a... They were teaching the kids then how mm. to eat, what, what it tastes like. And yeah. well, they'd grown it and brought it full yeah. Yes, yes. But not just about the vegetables, it was about the general eating because a lot of That's the right. eating was unhealthy. Absolutely unhealthy, and yes. They like were one guy was saying, I remember him saying, uh, <clears throat> he started getting steak into the instead of burgers and chips mm -hmm. and introducing. Mm -hmm. And his kid came out, oh, I have a burger tonight, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, for supper or in the later after dinner. And he said, Why, a burger? Can I have steak out of the, you know, bit yes. of steak yes, instead? Yeah. So it kind of. Um, it enlightened them. a cycle as well, didn't yes, it? Yes, it did. And also, John was the chef. And he would come in with stuff himself. And he would explain, you can go to the supermarket and you can buy a packet of this and you can mix it with that and do your veg this way and that way, you know. Because these guys, they were inner city Just guys. They, they knew thinkered. nothing about vegetables or anything. Yes. Now, I remember one guy... Uh, we'd have all the stuff planted. The country man that was with me was uh, Paddy Lynch. Uh, Paddy lives around the back here, and he was from Kerry. And, of course, Paddy was uh, knew all about the growing. And I knew a little bit from my grandfather's. And uh, we had potatoes growing. And I remember this guy said to me, he says, uh, what are we doing now, Mick? I said, we're planting potatoes, right? We put down a seed potato when explaining... And, like, they used to have drills. In, if you had a, a proper garden, you would put drills and manure and all to this. Mm. So um, he said, and when, when do we get them? I said, we'll get them in a couple of months, the potatoes. And there'd be loads of potatoes, and we'll all have a bit of a, you know, a, a bit of a party. party we'll, boil, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll boil up. But i never forget, uh, the foliage was growing, of course, and people would explain about the blight, and was no blight, lucky enough, I, we didn't have any. But I remember we were sitting outside, they'd be outside in the garden, and this guy said to me, he says, 
I'm looking at this, Mickey said, and there is no sign of potatoes coming off <laughs> on the foliage. That's it. as true as God's <laughs> be judged. He oh, didn't, yeah, didn't yeah. realise that they were underground. Yes, yeah. And I explained to him, I said, they're underneath. He said, I don't believe it. I said, I'm telling you. I said, we'll dig them out, I says, and you'll be here with me. Yeah. And you can see. And they're actually beautiful. But, but you know what it tells me? It's a full 360 on what we're talking about from your childhoods that, you know, your appreciation for good, healthy food is if you can see it be growing, you understand where it comes from. Exactly. And you eat it yourself. And, yeah. you know, that that's the crux of the whole thing. And it's great to see that coming around. Yes, yes. Um, I just say to the both of you, this has been a really interesting hour that we've had a chat. And... The, the conversations are brilliant. I'd say we could stay for another hour, but we better let you off. But just want to thank you so much for joining us. Um, it's a really interesting look into your lives, uh, especially when you're kids and the things you've seen. And even back to our pirate stories, it's, 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 it's so, so interesting. Yeah. Like we, we forget that even though we often talk about inside and outside the pale, that there is a strong link to agriculture everywhere. Absolutely. And it's just not to, not to forget that and, and to give people that respect. And thank you so much. And it's great to hear you having such a positive impact on your local area as well. Thank, thank you. you very much. Thank, thank, thank you very much. And we had lots more to talk about, but we haven't got time. <laughs> yeah. oh, brilliant. So there you have it. Thanks so much to Mary Kennedy and Mick Denver for sharing their memories about Dublin City farming in the past and the present. Myself and Deirdre will be back in two weeks' time, but don't forget to give us a rate and review on Apple and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to the Environment Edge podcast. Chat to you soon.